we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. Uh, my name's Simone Roche, and I'm your host. And this week, we are continuing our amazing We Are More series. This series of the podcast, we've been talking to all our fantastic winners and commended of this year's 2022 Northern Power Women Awards. Every story, every individual, every organization is an amazing story, is an amazing journey. And for us, this is just about us amplifying those stories and getting the chance to, to revisit and catch up with some of the brilliant individuals. And, and this week, um, uh, the lady we're just about to talk to is somebody that having been sort of revisiting her story and, sort of reading about the tireless work that her and her family do just makes me even more passionate about so many stories. Alison Magin was this year's uh, winner of our Person with Purpose Award and is someone who has worked tirelessly to educate young people about the dangers of knife crime and carrying knives. And it's her courage and pure northern grit and determination that has, you know, got her recognised as the award of Person with Purpose. And Alison founded uh, Samantha's legacy in memory of her daughter who was tragically killed, uh, murdered senselessly on an evening out only two months after uh, giving birth to her first son. Alison, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. You're very welcome. It's an honour to be back. Uh, well, thank you. And, you know, before we talk about the work of Samantha's legacy, I think it's really important just to talk about Samantha. Tell me, tell me what type of girl she was. Samantha, she was your just a beautiful girl. She was born April 1989. Um, lovely, happy moments. She grew up loving dance from the age of three. Um, she loved her music and she was just a normal girl. She loved being with her family. Uh, you know, them great holidays, if it, if it was just camping or in the caravan or being abroad. She just loved to spend time together, loved to travel. As she grew up, she became a very loyal friend. She had a good circle of friends and still loved her dancing. Maybe when you get to the teenage years, you know, they like to push the boundaries a little bit. If she had to be in for nine, she would always, you know, push for half nine. But yeah, just loved her family, loved life. Actually, just beautiful as well. When she walked into a room, she would light the room up because she was so beautiful. Everybody would turn their heads and say, oh, who's that? You know, that's the way I always seen her as well. Oh, and, and for for people who haven't heard the story about Samantha, it, are you okay, if, if you feel okay to do so, can you tell me and our listeners about what happened? Samantha became pregnant when she was 18. <laughs> you know, which were quite shocked, but we supported her. And again, she became a good role model for young mothers. So going back to, she had Callum in May 2007. 
going on to August the 2nd, 2007, a couple of our friends had just passed their driving tests, a couple of our male friends, and asked if she wanted to go out for the day in the car. So she said yes, but she said, can you take us to Asda first? And she was going back to work. Um, she wanted to get a uniform and stuff and asked Carly, her sister, if she, if she would look after Callum, and she agreed. So they went out. It was a red hot summer's day. It was her first time, like a little bit of freedom after having Callum. And she was, she just loved the music, blasting the music and the cars. And we live on the coast as well in Newcastle, the uh, Whitley Bay. And they went down there, just had a bit kick about with the ball, still blasting the music and stuff. And then she went back home to see Callum, see if he was okay. And Carly said, get yourself back out if you want to. Are you enjoying yourself? She said, okay. And then. She actually came and picked me up from work that evening, quite an early shift. I think I finished about eight. And she said, oh, we're just going to have a little bit more drive about and go and see a friend in Wall's End, um, which they did. And they were all just chatting. There's like a back lane. And they were chatting on the back lane. Uh, they didn't actually go in the house. And as they were chatting, four people went by. There was two males, two females. And one of Samantha's friends made a remark like, Oh, look at the way he walks. He thinks he's, you know, hard or something. Something to that reflect. And then that was it. And were, Actually, she was helping the guy in the street get his cat in. He couldn't get his cat in, so she was helping him get the cat in. And then suddenly two of the males that had previously passed, um, they all went into a flat nearby, but they came out and they were both armed with knives and started to chase two of Samantha's friends around the car that they were in, the male friends. So Samantha was down the lane shouting for them to stop. And she was just saying, you know, come on, leave it, leave it. I don't want any trouble. I want to just get home. The 15-year-old girl that had went into the flat nearby decided to pick a knife up from the kitchen knife box. She ran out the flat and attacked Samantha. Um, it was a very horrific attack on Samantha. She suffered 43 knife wounds in the attack and obviously she she died at the scene. And that was the last time we seen Samantha. <sighs> Gosh, three knives at least in that conversation for just a conversation in a back alley in a drive out. It's horrific and senseless. And this is a murder that shocked the whole country. And... You know, the impact on your family, of course, just devastating. Where did the strength come from and resilience for you come on with your family? Well, obviously I was left to bring Callum up. Uh, he was a 10 weeks old at the time she was killed. And I think what gave me strength was making sure that he was brought up right and that he had a good, decent life, just the way his mum would have wanted to bring him up. We were determined to do that. Plenty of love around him. We're a very strong family. Maybe that's the northern thing. I don't know, but we're very, very close. Um, obviously, I had Lee and Carly as well. Lee was um, 21 at the time Samantha was killed, and Carly was 16. Uh, she was just about to go and do her A-levels. And I think, was it a motherly instinct thing? But I had to survive because... If I didn't survive, the rest wouldn't have survived. And so you've got Carly and Lee. Lee passed away, actually. He always struggled. Um, when we do the talks around the schools, 
I always bring Lee into it because Lee struggled terribly with losing Samantha. Not in a way that you could see it, but things that obviously I knew. I mean, he could never speak about her. We would have celebrations and get-togethers, you know, for birthdays, and he would never turn up, or if he did, it would be, hi, I'm away. And he always felt guilty because he felt that if he'd been there that night, it wouldn't have happened. But obviously we know that it wouldn't have made a difference. And then we lost Lee five years ago. He had an accident, I know, and caught sepsis, and we lost him. I always feel that Samantha needed him, and she had to take him. He's gone. He's gone to be with her. Uh, and when did you decide to set up Samantha's legacy? You know, wh- where did this idea come from? You've got a very young, you've got a baby, you know, that um, you've got Callum that you're guarding and protecting and you've got Carly. And at the time you, you, you had, you still had Lee. Um, so where did this, where did this come from that you went, I've got to do something here? Well, when I first obviously was thrown into this, whirlwind, turbulence. Um, I was seeing how victims were being treated and I felt very strong about how things had to change because of that. Going through a lot, I mean, I had a two-week trial to go through um, and it was support. I was thinking, well, you know, I'm supporting the family, but there's not really any support for us as victims because we were a strong family. That's what's helped us get us through it. So at first I started fighting for victims, fighting for justice, getting hurt, really, wanting to change sentences, you know, fighting for tougher sentences, like for people being stopped with knives and stuff. And then when Samantha should have been 30, we thought this is the time to, because we could see that the knife crime wasn't getting any better. Uh, There was getting more and more victims. We decided that because she should have been 30, that we should launch Samantha's legacy which was what we are doing now. We are educating, and it's all about prevention, education, anything we can do to prevent, you know, another family going through this. But we also still fight for victims in other ways as well. And Carly was at at an age where, you know, she could come on board as well, and it just makes it stronger that we're all doing it together. And in those early days, you know, that was a massive hill to climb to get this charity ready to start delivering these sessions. And as, as you, you know, it's very much about, you know, it's the prevention. Let's not talk about, let's not, you don't want another family to go through what you and your family have gone through and continue to go through. So you had to get this charity ready to start delivering these crucial sessions. Um, is, is this where you're, we've talked about the resilience and the Northern grit already, but is this where you're, is this where the importance of having such strong purpose came from to honour Samantha's name and helping you overcome these these challenges in this hill? Or did you not see it as a hill? No, not really. I don't see it as a hill at all that I have to claim because I think I claimed that hill the day I survived because I didn't just lose Samantha. I lost, I lost me, really. I'm a different person now. Everyone still knows us as Alison, but I'm a different person. But... I did feel like now is my purpose to hear Samantha's voice. I am Samantha's voice. And I know because of the type of person Samantha was, she'd be shouting from above, you know, mom, tell them it just has to stop. There's no, you know, it it needs to stop. 
And I just feel my purpose as well. I have to make something good out of something so tragic. And, and the sessions, you deliver these sessions on knife violence and and, and they've been so effective. You've been recognised on multiple occasions, rightly so. And, be, and it's because I think it's your honesty about what happened to your daughter. But what I find completely extraordinary is that in order for them, these sessions to be so impactful, you've got to retell and retell the worst possible moment of your life. How do you do that? Um, it's a hard one, really. I mean, today we've been delivering to um, a school. Some days are bad, some days are good. I just think, because when I see all these young people in front of us, I just think the way the world, for me, that I see that is going with knife rhyme, I'm more determined to make a change. I'm determined that these young people should get a chance in life and not have to, you know, worry about what's going on around the corner we were, I had been today with some year 10 lads, there was eight of them, and they're on the spectrum of, like, you know, they've been involved with knives, gangs, and I was asking them questions, and I just couldn't believe the answers that I was hearing. It was, you know, well, if he's walking up the road with a knife, then, yeah, yeah, I'm going to stab him before he stabs me, or I'll just run. And I was like... I wish my daughter had had the chance to run. I wish we had been aware of people, you know, that were around carrying knives, using knives, because we didn't know anything about that. I was so shocked when that happened to Samantha. I seriously thought the police had gotten it wrong because there's no way she could have been involved in anybody carrying a knife or anything. But these young people now are just so open about it and just think it's the norm to carry a knife, and that's what makes us more determined. And speaking to them today, I got myself quite tearful, actually. And I said to them, you know, you, you don't understand how, because all our parents had agreed that they wanted us to go in as well to speak to them because they're at the end of the tether. And just makes me more determined to let them see that they do have a different path to go on in life. This isn't the normal. And I'm just determined to help them, try and make them change. You know, change the attitude, change the, con the consequences of what they're doing. Um, and just the, by the end of the session, I, I felt a lot better. And I thought, well, yeah, that is my purpose. That is our purpose now. And if you can make even just half of those young lads think differently or consider that different path, just even knowing that there is amazing humans like you out there that want to help, that can show a different way. And I know one of the proudest moments that you is about bringing the iconic, it's amazing, the Knife Angel sculpture to the Northeast. Tell me about the impact and this amazing, this amazing sort of physical being that you, you, uh, you brought. Well, that was one of the first things that we done as Samantha's Legacy. Uh, it was a hard slog. I knew about the Knife Angel. I had known since it was, you know, uh, being made, the sculpture. Um, and when it started going on tour, I thought, and I seen some cities getting it, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. And as, I suppose I'm the type of person who will have to say, no, you can't. I'll say, well, yes, I can. If it's doable, we can. Um, so... Me and Carly got on board and for about, I would say, a good nine months to a year, 
Nobody was really listening. And then we got in touch with a radio presenter who put us in touch with Gateshead Council. And we also got in touch with Kim McGuinness, who became our new Police Crime Commissioner, which was a lot easier because Kim is so supportive with what we do. She has been an excellent support. The VRU, the Violence Reduction Unit, they are great at supporting everything that we do. And then the keys were unlocked and then that was it. And six months later, it was it was there and Gates said, and well, that was very, very emotional, proud moment. You talk about Kim McGuinness as well. I remember reading that nomination because it was the way it was submitted. This is submitted on the ha- behalf of the, the the Police and Crime Commissioner, Kim McGuinness. And I've noticed this year she's she's done another couple of nominations as well. So, you know, it's you talk about purpose comes in different formats, doesn't it? And, and it's having, you know, having those, you know, having that support community around you to help you you know, really, because this is, you're driving this with your, you know, your amazing family. Uh, and what's what's next for Samantha's legacy? Um, well, I've also gotten a recognition from Boris Johnson when he was Prime Minister. We got that award as well, which, you know, was a, well, that touched us um, to be recognised of someone so high as well. So, and obviously me women of purpose, all, all these things that I get recognised for and I'm thinking, oh, listen, well, you must be making a difference. People are listening. And I'm just going to continue. My main aim is to try and prevent this knife crime, to reduce the knife crime, just even if it's just by a small percent and make a difference to these young people, make them know that them have also got a purpose. They don't need to be on that road. I'll help them every way I can. And Alison... <laughs> We want everyone to help you. You know, I want people to help you as well. We're going to put, we we always have a series of uh, notes that sit around the show as well, every episode. So we're going to put details of Samantha's legacy in there because I know I've already been over your website. There's there's ways on there that you can get involved. There's the programs on there that you can get involved. So we want, is anyone out there that you can help signpost to Alison, you know, help Put somebody on that different path. Let's focus on the prevention and the education. That's what Samantha's legacy is about. No family should face this. Not now, not ever. We need to change this. We're in a challenging world right now. And so the more that we can be, if everyone can use their purpose. And can I ask, I know you've had tragic loss and with Lee as well, but you've, how is your family today? I saw Callum very briefly at the start as he was helping you with your tech. So he's he's number one technician. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a little husband <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's great kid uh, we're all good um, Carly's doing well she's just getting a degree doing well Callum's doing well really he's a um, good rugby player well it take, that takes up a lot of my time as well and just watching him on the pitch <laughs> are you taxi are you Alison's oh, yeah. taxi <laughs> yeah and just watching him on the pitch play rugby is like it's an emotional time It's he's in uh, year 10 now so hopefully six form next, but you know, everything is still very bittersweet because it shouldn't be me watching him play rugby. It should be his mum, but his mum will be very, very proud of him and all that. And, and as are, are your family of you as well, Alison, in the community that you've built and the lives that you have saved. So Alison, I thank you so much for sharing this very emotional, personal story with us and hope that 
this conversation can help somebody else to put somebody on a path to change their mind, to help signpost to you to make this stop because this needs to stop. So, Alison, thank you. You truly are our person with purpose. And I, I really thank you for joining us. You can find out about Samantha's legacy into, into the show notes that we have with this episode. Please do get in touch and follow and support because this is literally changing lives and driven by one devastated family one purposeful human being who's just driving change so Alison thank you so much please do get in touch with us please do get in touch with Samantha's legacy and please do keep the conversation going because this is how we make change please do stay connected with everything we're doing on Northern Power Women and next month next Monday we will be joined by another wonderful role model for the Northern Power Women community and stay in touch and on all our socials at North Power Women on Twitter and at Northern Power Women and all our other socials Thank you. I'm Simone Roche and you've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes on Media production. Oh.